This is the Sibling Library Podcast. You will know when to start listening when you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. Welcome to Sibling Library. Two years! Well, this is entering our third year. What Yay. do you think about that? That was anyway, loud. I'm Julia. <laughs> I'm, I'm Megan. I beat you. Perfect. <laughs> we haven't Smooth. gotten any better at that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Why would we have no pause this time? Yeah. We almost tightened it up. Yeah. If anybody has listened to all of our episodes, <laughs> let's just have a mutual agreement that we will. We're just always going to awkwardly start this show. It's because our thing. It's part of our charm. Yeah. Even if you haven't listened to all of our episodes, we're probably going to start every show awkwardly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, word? Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are we doing that this episode? <laughs> yeah. Aren't you prepared, Katie? Uh, no. <laughs> That's good, because I chose the word. Do you know what the word is this month? No. Adventure? Choice. No. Choice. Oh, nice. I do remember now. So before I get into my little TED Talk about choice, um, we went with this word because we are going to talk about choose your own adventure books. Remember those books? I know you guys do because we had a we had a small collection of them. I actually do not remember the books that you had us read. I had no, oh, no. idea we had them. I for sure didn't read any of these ones. I only wanted to read the Halloween one. Uh, I as always, definitely read these ones. I, re- I think I read all of them. Yeah, you probably did, but I only wanted to read the Halloween one because I'm a spooky girl. Yeah. You're telling us. Jeez. <laughs> I read Pet Wednesday Adams over here. Fourth grade. Well, guilty. Freaking bats. Freaking bats. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for our O Word segment this month, I'm going to talk a little bit about choice. And from the Merriam Webster Dictionary. There are two versions of the word, so you could either use it as a noun, and that means the act of choosing or the best part of something, or you can use it as an adjective, meaning worthy of being chosen or of high quality. Megan, as the English teacher, can you explain to us how a word can both be a noun and an adjective? Depends on the context that it's being used in. Grammar's weird. Yeah. (laughs) And the word choice is of German and French origin from the mid-14th century. Also from Merriam-Webster, there's a little more um, description about choice. And it said, choice suggests the opportunity or privilege of choosing freely. Freedom of choice option implies a power to choose that is specifically granted or guaranteed. 
So when I used the Google Ngram, that's kind of what I was finding, that there were a lot of books about choice, as in like personal choice or things that were kind of more political than I wanted to talk about. Um, but I did find a couple of, you know, I found one book and then on Goodreads, I found another book that had an interesting quote that I wanted to use. Um, so published in 1801 by the British Library, I found a book called The Herald of Love Being a Choice Collection of Valentines and Answers. And I didn't see an author for it because I think it's just a collection of these things and not necessarily written by any one person. Uh, and there was an anthology. Yeah. And there was a Valentine called Valentine the Wish. And it reads, congenial may our wishes be, each other's choice approve, from every baneful passion flee, in one sweet circle move. Thus crowned here, take my heart for thine, a generous, faithful valentine. So it's just a book Duh. of all of these valentines. And I was like, did people actually write these to each other in the 1800s? Well, they didn't have Hallmark then. Sure. They didn't have people those do that little now? conversation hearts then. Right. We really have turned off a lot of parts of our brain, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. That is the takeaway. And I also found a quote from a book published in 2010 called Monsters of Men by Patrick Ness. And in that book, it says, to say you have no choice is to relieve yourself of responsibility. Which... Hmm. It's kind of powerful. True. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to share that. So all that to say, even though I didn't really say much, choice is a big part of our episode today. And before we get into our choose your own adventure discussion, we also want to do a little roundup of some literary things that we have all experienced lately. And Katie and Megan, you just got back from a trip to the East Coast. So why don't you tell us where you went? Sure. We went to uh, Connecticut for a few days and then New Jersey for a few days. While we were in Connecticut, uh, we learned that Mark Twain and Harriet Beecher Stowe were neighbors. Hoo-hoo. Like next door neighbors. Like next door neighbors. <laughs> nice full house reference. Um, so we went on a tour of the Mark Twain house, followed directly after by a tour of the Harriet Beecher Stowe house, and they couldn't have been more different. Um, mm -hmm. Both were a joy. Uh, the Mark Twain house was really cool. Um, the tour guide was very dry, but hilarious. His name was also Mark. I, I almost asked him if, if he was named after Mark Twain, but I, I didn't. Um, you got shy. I well, yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> if if we had started at Harriet Beecher Stowe, though, I probably wouldn't have been because the Harriet Beecher Stowe house was yeah. not so much a tour as a let's go in this room and talk about politics, and then let's go in this room and talk about more politics, and then let's go in this room and see what else we can talk about. It was very um, in your face, interactive, like you are all going to participate in this and we're going to talk about some really uncomfortable and difficult topics. Sounds yeah. like a nightmare. <laughs> I 
I very quickly stopped making eye contact with the tour guide <laughs> after the first room because I was like, "Yeah, there are other people on this tour that I don't know. That I'm was what afraid. was intimidating about it. But I, I actually really appreciated the commitment to talking about these topics and, and just, I think the space that the tour guide created was, was one that was really harmonious and non-confrontational. I mean, he, he definitely had opinions and he, he shared them, but he, he made space for everyone that, that had thoughts and opinions and encouraged them. Um, yeah. but yeah, there were some really heavy things we talked about. Yeah. I, I think the whole purpose of it was that Harriet Beecher Stowe wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin, which right. was the book that kind of sparked the Civil War. Almost, um, he never said this, but it was kind of like back in 2020 when um, George Floyd was killed by a police officer. That kind of sparked a lot of an awakening among the white community um, to finally come to terms with our white privilege. Um, and way back in the 1800s, 1700s, 1800s, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, when Harriet Beecher Stowe wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin, it was kind of a similar type of thing. Um, it was the first novel written that was from the perspective or the main character was a black man. Um, and it kind of opened the white community's eyes as to, oh my gosh, these slaves are actually human beings. Um, and started the that conversation going and kind of helped to to spur on the Civil War. And I think that's why they set up the tour of Harriet Beecher Stowe to be more so a conversation, starting a conversation um, and kind of walking people through having tough conversations because that was an important thing. And now Uncle Tom's Cabin is like it 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 reads much differently today than it did in the 1800s. Um, Katie, you've kind of started reading it, right? I don't know if you want to touch on that, but I've only read the first chapter, but just based on, um, and I had planned on reading it for our next episode coming up in September, um, cause we're going to talk about banned books. So it was just kind of fortuitous that we decided to go on this tour and I actually picked up a copy from the gift shop there and started reading it. I only, I've only read the first chapter, but having gone through that experience and learned more about when it was written and learned more about what was the impetus for the story, um, I think is going to really enrich my my reading experience of it. And you're right, Megan, I think it was specifically set up to create a conversation because it is such a, contra- even today, it's still such a controversial book. It's not, um, even though it was responsible for uh, igniting some support around uh, starting the Civil War and, and ending slavery, it was a pretty good example of cultural appropriation because yeah. this white woman took took stories from her, you know, the, the African-American people in her life um, from their experiences and profited off of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was pretty smart about it, too. She she published one chapter, um, I think, a week in um in one of the newspapers yeah major newspapers yeah i mean she lived in they they both lived in hartford so it was a, a newspaper in hartford so there was a chapter from the book in every single so it was, everyone was talking about it and then she had the very last chapter she withheld that and did not publish it in the newspaper but people had to buy the book even though they'd read all of it leading up to that they had to buy the book to get it so 
I think it sold like 300,000 copies or something like that. And it was like, it, it was like maybe the second most selling to the Bible. I think yeah, was what they told us. Only outsold by the Bible. Right. So she, she has taken the, the stories and the voices of the people actually having this experience. She is a white woman and she's profiting off of it. So there's, there's a lot of complex feelings around this book because yes, it led to really good things, but it was, it was also not told from the actual perspective of the people that, that the story is about and the story portray, portrays. Right. Um, so I thought that was really interesting uh, because there's there's a lot of information out there about Harriet Beecher Stowe and how how brave and courageous and forward thinking she was, which I think is true. Um, but she also, um, I, as we were leaving. Megan, help me out with this detail because I don't remember exactly. As we were leaving, uh, the the tour guide told us that she was gifted some sort of a petition that had like five or ten thousand signatures on it. Um, I think it was even more. I think it was like yeah, a hundred thousand, <clears throat> like an outrageous number of signatures. And it was to end slavery. Yeah. And she held on to it for like nine years and did nothing with it. Mm-hmm. She just held she on didn't... to it. She's like, oh, this yeah. is a gift for me. I don't think she did anything with it until the Civil War started, right? And she, yeah. then she she took it to President Lincoln. Right. Yeah. But the, I mean, the other interesting thing about, um, and I'll, I'll stop after this because I'd, I'd like to talk more about it next month when we talk about the book, but, or when I talk about the book, um, the reason that she was inspired to write this was because she lost uh, a child of her own. And it was for it was the first time that she'd put herself in the perspective of enslaved people who have their children ripped from them. Um, and she was able to kind of see that through through fresh eyes and through empathetic eyes because she lost a child. Um, and that was what started her on the road to to write this story because she based on that experience, she was awakened to how how wrong um, slavery was. So again, complicated woman. Yeah some great things and some not so great things about her. Mm-hmm. Let's hear about Sorry. Mark Twain. Mark Twain <laughs> was also complicated. He was an eccentric. Uh, he, yeah, that's a good way to put it. He was an eccentric. Um, I enjoyed all of the different like details throughout the house. Um, he, my, one of my favorite things was there was a, a picture of a, a cat with a what is that collar called, Kate? Is it a? It's not a cummerbund. It's like a. It was like a fringe or something. Yeah, yeah. I guess like a rough collar. I don't yeah, know. Like a ruffle. It was adorable though. Um, I'm trying to think of something that we actually learned about Mark Twain himself. Yeah, he he liked to be painted as an eccentric. He had um, so in his bedroom, they had this very elaborate um, bed frame. Oh, that yeah. had, I think it had angels all over it and the, the corner pieces could screw off. So his children would like screw them off and, and play with them. But whenever he would be <clears throat> interviewed by any sort of journalist or, or his picture taken, he would insist to be, have it taken of him sitting and lying in that bed. So you could see kind of the opulence of, of what he was able to purchase Um, And he just, he liked being portrayed as this kind of quirky, offbeat person. 
And um, he slept at the the foot of the bed, like his head went at the bottom and his feet went at the top, so that he mm-hmm. could wake up and see the headboard right. that he <laughs> loved so much. <laughs> and he would smoke cigars in bed. He was a heavy smoker, a heavy drinker. Um, he so their their um, I guess butler you could call him was an African American man, and he it, it, it was customary that the the um the help would be kind of down in the the lower regions of the house or um you know not not living up with the family but he had his room on the same floor as the family which really indicated that they were close friends even though he was employed by him um and he was kind of part of the family trying to remember what else um something oh go ahead that I think the tour guide at Harriet Beecher Stowe actually said this, but Harriet Beecher Stowe and Mark Twain didn't really get along. I don't think like they were not <laughs> friends. Um, but when Harriet Beecher Stowe got old, she ended up having dementia and she used to just kind of wander around outside and Mark Twain would like just let her be in his garden and not bother her. I thought that was kind of cute. Yeah. Sad, obviously, but kind of right. cute. I was going to say the, I think the detail about the cat with the the ruffle, that was part of, so they, they, we went into the nursery room where all the, he had, he had three daughters. That was a detail I wanted to mention because it was a good tie into us. Um, three, three daughters that lived. I think he had one that, that died in infancy, but three daughters that lived. Son, or was son it a son? Yeah. Died before the other girls were born. Yeah. Right. Um, so in the nursery they had, um, all, they had this wallpaper that had um, basically told some nursery rhymes that uh, that they would tell the children. And the tour guide told us that they the Twains were all cat people. So it was a pretty graphic story about, I think, a mouse and a frog getting eat, eaten by a cat. Well, but, the mouse and the frog first fell in love and got married. Oh, yeah. And then they got it ended with them getting eaten by a cat. Right. <laughs> Plot twist. But, yeah, but the, the tour guide said, but they were probably okay with that because they were cat people and they would have been happy that the cat had gotten a good meal. And I think that's the, the cat with the fringe that you saw in the, that you saw in the gift shop, Megan. Yeah. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Quite. Well, we while, you guys, yeah. while you guys were out in the humidity, I went to Oakland to the Scottish Rite Center to see an operatic version of Neil Gaiman's Coraline. Smushing. <laughs> Sounds right up your alley. Mm-hmm. It was it was you quite spook, fun. Spooky sister. <laughs> yeah, it, it was fun. Um, if you've ever read the book, the opera, I would say, more closely follows the book than the movie does. Not that the movie is so far off from what the book does, but it definitely made some changes to the story for the movie um i am not a huge opera fan but i needed to see how the heck they turned this children's book into an opera because it just sounded so weird to me um had a good time it was a good length it was two hours i think any longer and i might have fallen asleep but mm-hmm. that was only because it's really hard to understand. Like, it it was in English, but it is really hard to understand 
any words in opera. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I was yeah. like, I'm not sure where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah. Have you tried singing operatically and being also, what's Loquacious. the word? In- intelligible? Is that a word? Yeah. It yep. was, it was also the American uh, premiere of Coraline the Opera. So no idea if it'll be sh- performed anywhere else. Um, if you are a Coraline fan or an opera fan, I'd say go. Good. I'm glad you liked it. That's a fun little excursion. Yeah. All right. Well, now that we've talked about our choice adventures, let's talk about our books and choosing our adventures. Are you ready? Yeah. So ready. Okay. So we are going to talk about choose your own adventure books, which we have a small collection of and read frequently when we were young. I think Katie was more interested in them than Megan or I, but I had a couple that I liked to read and choose different outcomes of. Um, But if you don't know, the Choose Your Own Adventure books are a series of children's books that are written from a second-person point of view, with the reader assuming the role of the protagonist and making choices that determine the main character's actions and the plot outcomes. They were originally created by Edward Packer, and... They were published by Constant Capels and R.A. Montgomery's Vermont Crossroads Press as Adventures of You series. And they started in 1976 and they are still going today, though I believe R.A. Montgomery passed away in 2014. So, yeah, that's kind of the basic gist of the Choose Your Own Adventures. Uh, We read three of them from our collection. Katie, can you read the ones we read? I can. So we read, and they're all numbered, we read numbers 19, 36, and 38. Number 19 is the Tower of London. Number 36 is the Owl Tree. And number 38 is Sandcastle. And I believe all of these ones were published in 1986. So they're as old as I am. Aww. What little cuties. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> um, so let's start with number 19. We'll go in numerical order. Number 19, The Tower of London. So I don't know how many. I didn't count to see like how many actual choices you could make legitimately throughout the book. Um, but... When I read through it, I ended up making three different choices. What about you guys? I made three choices as well. Katie? I'm finding my notes. I made, yeah, I made three as well. Interesting. Yeah. It also turns out that I made three choices in the other two as well. Is that the same for you guys? Yes. I made three in Sandcastle, but in the Owl Tree, I made six. Wow. (laughs) I'm very interested to hear about that then. Um, (laughs) 
And I also read under 10 pages in each of them. I don't know if either of you kept track of how many pages you read. I Unfortunately, didn't. I didn't. Yeah. No. So they were quite quick reads. Yes. yes. Um, before we get into each one, I'm just curious, do either of you have any thoughts as you were reading them? Um, I, looking at the illustrations, I was kind of annoyed that all of the depictions of me were drawings of boys. <laughs> oh, yeah, because, okay, so before we talk more, let's read the, how this is pitched. So when you crack open the cover, there is a blurb for each one that says, read this first to kind of give you some orientation of what to do with this. Um, and it says, most books are about other people. This book is about you. What happens to you at the Tower of London depends on what you decide to do. Do not read this book from the first page through the last page. Instead, start at page one and read until, until you come to your first choice. Then turn to the page shown and see what happens. When you come to the end of a story, go back and try another choice. Every choice leads to a new adventure. Are you ready to explore the tower? Then turn to page one and good luck. I got it. say. Even I hadn't though... picked up on that. Like they I could had... have just drawn pictures of what you were seeing. They didn't have to put right. people. They could have put the other characters in, but they they were definitely drawings of the main character, which if it's supposed yeah. to be me. Yeah. I had... and, the main, and the main characters had names and everything, too. So it wasn't really you. Yeah, I hadn't no, really. The, I didn't notice the main character having names. Like, other characters no, right. in the book had names, but I don't You're think right. I was character. thinking of. Yeah like Rodney and Sheila and yeah, you're right. It, it actually doesn't, but it also, to your point, the illustrations are all male characters. Yeah. I all little really... white boys. I am outraged. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't necessarily thought too hard about the illustrations, but I gotta say the being written in second person really annoyed me. You don't I didn't like the breaking like of the fourth I wall. No, I didn't think, well, I didn't think that, maybe I just didn't think they were very well written. No, that's for sure. So, yeah. That would probably be more why just the novelty of them didn't really intrigue me when I was a kid because they were just not, not great books. Books no. not from the beginning. I I remember <laughs> loving the loving the concept and and being enthralled with the ability to drive the story or at least as a so, kid you yeah the the illusion of being able to drive the story and um how many that's, different stories you can get out of one book yeah right right so in concept I still think it's a really good concept but I execution agree. not so great well I when also I was, agree. When I was little, um, we have, uh, we didn't read the holiday ones because we're not doing a holiday episode. So we read three that were not related to a holiday, but I loved the Halloween one. But mm -hmm. I also remember being too scared to make like a risky choice. So I always <laughs> only read like three pages of that book because I was always afraid to really do the dangerous thing, whatever it was. Um, 
let's talk about our choices. So in the Tower of London, I'm curious, what choice did you guys make for your first decision? I followed the shadow. So in Tower of London, there the I'm staying in a castle with my cousin, friend, Rodney, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we go we go ghost hunting together in the middle of the night. Which is not something Megan would ever do in real life. Hair knob. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently I chose to follow the shadow in the book because I thought it would be more juicy. I also followed the shadow. I made a run for the trees. Oh. Chicken. So I wonder if Katie's second choice is different than ours as well because I don't know where that one leads us. Megan? Since we're on the same path, what did you choose secondly? I stayed quiet. <sighs> Me too. Katie, what did you do? Well, stayed. what was happening, though, when you stayed quiet? Because we went different ways. I don't, I don't remember. remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me look it up. Oh, I quick. think we were getting, we were getting um, kidnapped by the ghost of, was it King Henry? The one that beheaded all his wives. We were getting kidnapped by that ghost. And we could either stay quiet and hope that he brought Rodney to us so that we could, like, work together to leave or yell to try to help Rodney. I don't remember. You remember more than I do. Can we just talk about my ending was very shocking for this one. It was shocking. It was mine. Yes. (laughs) Why don't you guys? Why don't you guys just follow through your whole thread, and then we can come back to mine. Megan, what did you do for your third choice? I left by the hidden staircase. (laughs) Yeah, did too. Then we (laughs) fell into a pit of bones to die alone and forgotten. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) what? This is a children's Mm -hmm. book. (laughs) Katie, what happened in your book? (laughs) Um, so. I made a run for the trees and Rodney was there and um, they, they, we saw three men sneaking into the castle and we were thinking that they were trying to steal the, the crown jewels. And then we had to decide whether to go to the white tower or the green tower. The white tower is where the, the men were trying to sneak in and the green tower was supposed to be haunted by Anne Boleyn. So I chose to go to the green tower and um, then we saw a woman in the courtyard, headless and holding her head. Was it Anne Boleyn? And, uh, just wait. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to reveal the twist. So holding her own head, and then you have to make the choice to either run away or move closer. So I chose to move closer. And it You're turned so out brave. to be... Right? Someone like me. Um, so it turned out to be their friend, our friend, Sheila playing a prank she had like a soccer ball with a scarf on it and was wearing her mom's jacket and like covering her head with it and then um right after that we all turned around and there was an actual real ghost woman holding her head and they could see through it the end it was very abrupt ending (laughs) not as abrupt as falling into a pit of bones to die alone and forgotten that's a direct at least at least that's a resolution. <laughs> that's a direct quote. <laughs> <laughs> Verbatim. Like, wow. Well, Katie, <laughs> it sounds like you got a much better uh, 
story experience than Megan and I did. Yeah, more balanced story arc. Was that the one that you had six choices? Nope. No. I only had three on that one. I think the the owl tree is the one that you had six for. Correct. But Megan, you had three. Won't it be funny if Megan and I read through these books exactly the same? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So moving on to the owl tree. And I do want to mention the Tower of London was written by Susan Saunders. And then the other two we read were written by R.A. Montgomery. Not that I noticed any significant difference between the writing styles, but just wanted to note that. Um, so the owl tree, Katie, do you want to read the back of that one and what that one is about? Sure. You are on a hike through the woods near where you live. In the middle of a clearing, you spot a tree that looks different from all the others. Its branches are filled with talking owls, exclamation point. The owl tree becomes your favorite place to visit. With its magical powers, the owl tree can do just about anything you want. And for this This one was my favorite out of the three. That's not saying a whole lot. But this one was my favorite. <laughs> oh, my favorite ended up being um, the sandcastle. But for the owl tree, I ended up reading a total of seven pages. And I made three different choices. Megan made three different choices and Katie made six. What was both of your first choice? I waited and followed an owl to a magic kingdom. Me too. Me too. Okay, so we're on the same track. What was your second Mm -hmm. choice? I followed the trail. Me too. I climbed over the wall. All right, Megan. Yeah, Megan, (laughs) we're on the same track. What was your third choice? I looked in the sack. So did I. (laughs) (laughs) And it was not a very satisfying ending for us, I didn't think, Megan. And well, it was a magical creature asking what was our wish. Yeah. And then it well, didn't didn't grant us a wish. Well, I feel like it sh- we should have had a choice of what wish. Should have oh, been something. Oh, yeah. Not just <laughs> have a wish. Yeah, I thought it was writing. just kind of leaving it open-ended so that I, you could imagine then what your wish would have been and you could imagine what would happen after. Did you think of what you would wish for, Julia? No. Did you? Yeah. I would have wished to be able to understand the owls to like talk to them. All right, Katie, let's hear your story arc. Okay. You guys like took it to the end. How did it end? That was it. We ran into a magical creature who said they would give us one wish, and that was how it ended. That was it. That's so that's so unsatisfying. <laughs> that's what I said. <laughs> I felt right. like there should have been at least one more decision for us to make. Right. Okay. And the magical so, creature wasn't even an owl. That yeah, that was a lack of continuity there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna try to piece this back together here. So. There was a choice to either jump off the wall or keep climbing because the the wall that I was climbing was growing. It was getting taller as I was I was climbing it. So I decided to keep climbing it. It took me to the kingdom of Gollop. And um, the creatures there were getting ready to battle evil photons. It, it kind of went places. Yeah. Um, and then the wall, the wall <laughs> like goes the back down. Like the atomic particle? Spelled with an F, not a PH. Okay. Okay. Um, 
And then the wall goes back down to normal size and we go back to the tree. This feels like a fever dream. And then there's an option to, I don't know what the other option was based on my notes, but um, it said that you could ask the saw wet owl something. So I chose to do that. And um, I wound up in a place called Ilnor where, uh, oh, so the Sawat Owl said to bring some fresh raspberries to Ilnor to feed the Zunis. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. This makes no sense. It didn't make much more sense reading it. And so then the last choice was to kind of to go back to to go back home basically or travel alone to Ilmore because my my buddy who was uh, doing all of this with me was like I'm out I'm not going to Ilmore so I I could either choose to go back with the friend I forget their their name or travel alone to Ilmore so I chose to travel alone alone to Ilmore where I found out Did you die out, in a pit of bones alone and forgotten I did not <laughs> I did not. Oh, the friend's name was Sally. I was traveling. It was there with Sally and staying with Sally and her parents. Um, so I traveled alone to Ilnor where I found out what the Zunis were, which are ginormous, friendly caterpillars. And I loved it so much Aww. that I decided to live there. And I Aww. lived out the rest of my days in Ilnor. Did you but I, I mean, I didn't. Decide, that was, I hope so. That would just be whimsical and wonderful yes so yeah I, I got more bang from my buck on this story than the other ones for sure but it was more bang weird. for your buck <laughs> on the first one that we read too i don't think I, I don't think it was three. that much more content though i feel like but it, it was. was more interesting well yeah. it made up I, for it in the sand in sandcastle when we get there because I that feel was like over our, quickly yeah <laughs> Our first one, the Tower of London, was mostly just a cautionary tale, like trying to convince us not to ever go ghost hunting in the middle of the night. Otherwise, we would end up in a pit of bones lost and forgotten. Good advice. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Stay the- home and read, people. Yeah. Choose your own adventure. <laughs> this Everybody, sand- not castle. just the little white boys. Number 38, the sand castle, in which we all made the same number of choices, and I actually read the most number of pages in this one, a whole whopping nine. Woohoo! All right, let's talk about the back of it. Uh, sure. You worked all day building a huge sand castle on the beach. Now it's night, and a big storm is approaching. You sneak out of bed and back back to the beach to check on your castle. Something strange has happened. The sandcastle has turned into a real castle, and you can hear someone inside calling for help. What can you do? I don't think I picked up in the story that the sandcastle turned into a real castle. Um, it does when maybe you Maybe your choices were different than ours. Yeah, maybe. All right, let's talk about the choices we made. What was the first one that you guys made? Well... Let's talk about the context of the first one, because the first one is kind of when somebody starts yelling, right? Yeah. Like, the storm comes, and I hear someone down on the beach yelling. I didn't understand that it, they were in the castle that had become real. It Well, it didn't say at that point that it 
had become real, but it says when you when you hear the noise that it sounded like it was coming from the castle. So you built this sandcastle and your parents tell you that there's going to be a storm and you're concerned about the castle. And they're like, well, no, they're too bad. It's going to get washed away in the storm. You have to rebuild it tomorrow. So you're kind of freaked out about that. But yeah, it says there's someone shouting. Here, let me find yeah, it. And, and I don't know where the... the uh, anyway, my choice here was... <laughs> <laughs> over it <laughs> to go to the, well he, I, this is the only note that I wrote well I, I mean I chose I wrote down what choices I made but um, the choice I made in this first one was to go to the sandcastle in the morning so like I wasn't going to go out in the storm to check on the person who was yelling but the note I wrote was why wasn't there a go wake up an adult option <laughs> like if I hear somebody out screaming in the storm and I'm a child Kids Shouldn't the appropriate answer be to go wake up an adult? Oh, yes, I chose to go out immediately. Far too logical. I did too. All right. Okay, so I guess that's why I never saw the sandcastle come to life. Probably not. So, Katie, what was your second choice? Um, so you go out to the castle and you get you get hit by the the ocean water and it's like magical water and it shrinks you down to be um proportional to like what a person's size would be for the sand castle and that's when it becomes real. Um my next choice was to enter the castle. Me too. Because I think the other I think the other one there was actually go get some kind of help. So that was that was the option there, but not until after you went outside. So you, you chose to enter the castle? Yes. Okay. So far so good. And then what was your third choice, Katie? I wanted to battle the eel. I ran. <laughs> At which point I had saved the prisoners and regained our sizes, which ended up being the most satisfying ending that I chose of the three of them. So now that See, we have the, diverged, Katie, what happened with your? This one for me was the least satisfying because you're battling the eel with some kind of makeshift sword. Take this, take that on guard and then <laughs> <laughs> just dialogue no description. I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to bring you into the story people all right and then the eel just slither it says eel slithers away and out of the castle you're safe for now the end <laughs> that was the worst <laughs> ending of the three <laughs> you never even found the person that was shouting no Jeez. what the yeah, heck? i found there the was people. no was resolution too, it was like two kids I didn't write down too many notes. It was like two kids that were stuck in the castle and you ended up running out of the castle. And I don't know what made made them grow to their regular size again. I guess just being far enough away from the ocean, they were fine and that was it. Megan, and what happened the, with you? Who was the kid? It was two kids. It was a boy and a girl, I think. I feel like I remember actually reading that a long time ago. But it wasn't anybody we knew no. or anybody nope. of okay nope. of consequence. Just two random kids. Yep. I want. It would have been cool if it was that they had been caught out in the storm and the the water shrunk them down too, and they went into the castle for refuge. That would have been kind of a interesting explanation for it. You'll have to read it again and but make alas. different choices. Maybe that's somewhere in there. Maybe. I kind of doubt it. Alas. 
Earwax. Earwax. <laughs> <laughs> Megan? Um, so I did not go out into the storm, so I did not encounter the magical water. I waited until the next morning and went down to the beach and started rebuilding the sandcastle and ran into someone who asked if they could help. And I said, yes, they could help. And then two other people came and asked if they could help. And the girl that came threw a monkey wrench and everything because she said, let's play hide and seek. And I said, no, I want to finish the sandcastle. Okay. Yeah. And so we finished the sandcastle and then became friends for the rest of the trip and played hide and seek the next day or something like that. Oh, well, that's good. Good taking turns. I guess. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Trying to find something redeeming. (laughs) Yeah, it was uh, not much drama in that one. Mm -hmm. Certainly didn't get into a sword fight with an eel. Katie had the most adventurous stories of all of us. So this is your jam, Kate. Yeah. Maybe this is why I read them more than you guys did. I just make better choices. That's the takeaway. I guess. <laughs> you make the choice choices. <laughs> well, it sounds like we all made some interesting choices. I won't say excellent. Um, maybe Katie, because she got a lot more interesting stories than uh more content yeah yeah though they all just kind of ended quite abruptly which is what i'm gonna do with this show so goodbye goodbye (laughs) bye (laughs) read share repeat please read share and repeat we'll see you next month for band book month goodbye bye bye now you guys can hear me, right? I've tried like yeah. six different times. <laughs> right? I know. We're we're having we're having an outrage moment Ugh. against the patriarchy. <laughs> that brings us to a close on this chapter of Sibling Library. Thank you for listening. Until next time, let's read, share, and repeat. <laughs>